Hello there. I'm Pratna and you're listening to Rebel with a Purpose. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about sexual health, which is something so different from my other topics. But I have a very special guest today. Her name is Jaya Jaiswal and she's a relationship coach and a sex expert. So I can't wait to dive in and learn more about this topic. And I can't wait for you to listen and learn more about your sexual health. Also, if you're listening to my podcast, please do subscribe to it. This will help me grow my podcast even more and get on more guests on this podcast to help and provide more value to you. Hi, Jaya. How are you? I am good. And how are you? I'm good too. And I'm really excited to have you on my episode today and talk about sexual health, which is a topic I haven't actually spoken a lot about on my podcast, Rebel with a Purpose. So this is something that I'm really glad to get in as one of the other topics. Um, so thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me here, Patna. So just for our listeners... Wonderful being here. Yeah, I'm so happy to hear that. But just for our listeners, just for them to get more of an idea of our conversation and of who you are, could you give them a little introduction of who you are and what you do? Yeah. So I am a counselor by profession and a relationship coach and a sexuality educator as well. So I have educated more than 700 plus people through like I take online consultation only because I have been traveling so that's why I don't take offline sessions it's most of the time it's online and uh, my clients are globally related to like teenage uh, concerns or it it's like young adults having concerns around sexual health or things which they don't have a clear concept about their body image anything related to their sexual health their mental health everything okay that sounds really good that sounds awesome how long have you been doing this for it's almost eight to ten years now. Oh wow! Okay, and what inspired you to start? Like, like I was into counseling myself. I have been through a lot, so I was into counseling. And later on, uh, while I was having rough time, uh, so I used to go to a lot of uh, counseling sessions, and it really helped me. And uh, it was I started with parenting first, so because I was in that phase, and now I. At the, at the, like sometimes we don't we are not told how to parent like the kid doesn't come with a use of manuals so we don't know we all have to learn it so this was the phase and that was the time I was learning several things and I came across this counselor because there was too much on me to unless I am in the right mental space I won't be able to like bring up a healthy mental like with a child with a healthy mentality and all that so I was into counseling so later on I realized that it it is something which I need to spread awareness around so I that is how I started like learning counseling and since uh, I got my like my teenagers then like during pre-teens my kids started asking me questions around sexuality like uh, where do I come from and uh, many things related to what is this or some uncomfortable, awkward questions, which obviously I wanted to answer them, but I myself had no answer. Like how much to tell, will it be too much for them to take in or it is before time. So there are several things that goes in our mind, right? So that is why I didn't have any clarity around how much should they know. But definitely I didn't want it to give them those wrong answers, which I used to get during my growing up days. So I was very precise with that, that... I really want to give them the right answer, whatever they are asking, like, where do I come from? So it's most of the time the parents say, uh, you come from hospital or God gave you and one night someone gave you <laughs> this and that. There are always made up answers for that. So I never wanted for them to have such weird answers, definitely. But still, I had no idea, like, what do I tell them? 
Yeah. So it was a journey from there where I started to sex educate myself just to answer my kids. It was as simple as that. It was not that I was coming it professionally, like uh, talking about it or professionally using it. But it was it started with uh, like uh, telling my kids what is right, what is wrong, how to do it, how not to, what is okay, what is not okay. So I tried to reach out to many of the uh, like gynecologists also, like even the gynecologists and the doctors were not very open to talk about all these things. It's like they are prescribing medicines, whatever concerns you have, you tell me. And I'll just write it down. And they were not open to talk about genitals, like uh, pubes, okay. Like, should we keep pubes? This is a very basic question, which every growing up teenagers asks. Like, yeah. my daughter used to always ask, like, uh, where do I bleed from? Hmm. Where is that part? So these were the things which I personally was also very uncomfortable and awkward in those times even though I know it but still I don't know how to put it yeah so these were the things which I wanted to know through a gynac but still I uh, didn't get a lot help from them so I started researching on my own and reading a lot of books later I came to know that there is something called sex education so yeah. they teach all this about about body about genitals about the anatomy and every reproduction having sex safer sex and contraceptives then it was it's a huge subject actually yeah so it starts from birth till death it covers everything around that yeah so that is how i started and and uh, i during covid times uh, my daughter and her friends used to reach out to me for like help because my my daughter was quite open with me she's in a hostel so even she had many friends who were like no i want like without knowing her but they were used they used to contact me and they were used to message me about what is masturbation and is it okay to do or this is the right way or not should i do or not how much is too much just minute little questions but still children need clarity on those these are very minute things but still if you don't get a right answer the whole life feels like um a bubble around that yeah yeah so you need to have clarity over that so this is how my daughter's friends died uh, reaching out to me and they said no you need to like uh, spread awareness around this and more and more people need it that is how my insta page like i came on instagram so i had no idea how it works and everything but it's they all helped out and making videos and if you see my earlier video it was so nervous <laughs> even like making videos and all was so uncomfortable like taking one-to-one -one sessions and like talking to someone who whom you know was quite uh Okay, but coming out publicly was a very awkward in the beginning. Like, obviously, yeah. publicly opening up and talking about sex, like, obviously, your friends and relatives, you, it's not a, it's not very uh, good sign for them. Like, maybe because they feel also uncomfortable and they, they don't, definitely they don't like it. Yeah, I know because of the whole stigma around sexual education. And I'm really glad that at least your daughter's friends, you know, were like no, were comfortable enough to text you and ask you all these questions because I know so many of my friends like even having conversations sometimes it feels really uncomfortable even for us and it's just the whole stigma around sexual education and even like talking to my parents about it I still feel like it is a little awkward and I just want I want there to be a time where like it, talking about these very very normal things is not awkward anymore and is comfortable. And I do think that conversing about it and talking about it more and increased awareness and also of the fact that it's very okay to feel these things or to have these questions or to be curious. Yeah, these are quite normal things which everybody goes through. Yes. Yeah. Each, and, uh, each and every person goes through. 
and it's just that we are so skeptical about talking about it like maybe yeah. because we don't know how to talk about it or how much to talk but now people are these gen z's people are talking a lot about it yeah. so that's that's wonderful yeah it's awesome i actually have um, a friend of a friend her name is avanti nagral she was on my episode right before like my previous episode was with her so uh, she's an influencer from mumbai influencer and artist and she started a series where she talks about all these you know sex topics with her grandmom and she asks her grandmom for what her advice is on this so it just sh- shows like you know the generations and what our perception of intimacy sex or all these different topics under sex ed are and how her grandmom reacts to her so her series of that is doing really well because it's like it's out of the blue right like no one yeah does. obviously the parents are not comfortable and the grandparents are coming out <laughs> with this it's wonderful <laughs> yeah no but it's amazing so yeah she does this and she has this amazing series where she is increasing more awareness on sex um and sexual education so i know that there's a lot that we're unaware of when it comes to this and as you said it's a huge topic so tell me more of what do you think people are not very aware of or don't talk about enough when it comes to sexual education or sexual health topics and i'm sure it's a long list just give me a few things that are popping up in your mind that people are not very aware of like one thing which i basically feel is like parents need to talk to whenever whenever the term comes sex education the sex word is so much highlighted that everything just just vanishes yeah so that's the highlighted part and whenever we talk about uh, like educating a sex educating a child even i had approached schools and schools were like also very skeptical about how can we teach sex to our kids so i think the term sex ed needs to be shifted with something else <laughs> we need to figure that out and it was uh, basically what i feel is the parents what is sex ed like parents don't teach you what are the names of your genitals like it is a vulva it is a penis so mm-hmm. it is always like we tell that this is susu this is chuha this is something mm-hmm. every every nickname is given to that yeah and this is the biggest blunder because when you are not addressing something with the name even the child can recognize very early that this is something which we shouldn't be talking about yeah. it starts from there yeah that's true so when our mother gives bath to a child she can say like this is your stomach this is your back this is your butt and this is your penis but we generally don't do that hmm. and many times the parents even if they bathe they don't touch the like the genitals or clean the genitals it is so it it indirectly what it signifies is that what information the child is getting is that this is something not good this is something we shouldn't be talking about this is something shameful this is something bad hmm. and that is why and if you see all the cuss words are 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 all dirty words and cuss words are all around the genitals yeah that is why so much of shame and uh, uh, like here yeah, like taboo is around the genitals mm-hmm. so this is something very basic which every child should know and the earlier you start the better it is because they know this is how it is and the more lesser bias there will be when the child is young as they grow up there there are several things that the society is going to feed them up with yeah so it is better to bring up they bring them up like that so that they can say the words genital names vulva penis even like uh, uh, like adults at our age also we are not able to say penis and vulva so comfortably yeah right it's true yeah so when we came into this profession this was the first thing which uh, are you like we, this was the work we used to like 
uh, he was said say valva and it, he was like <laughs> say it loud this was some of the thing that i really changed the way we like used to speak about like it was uh, from the very beginning it's a something which a hush hush topic which is speak slowly and something mind like whispering way in that context so it was like that got it so the that is true i was actually thinking about how all cuss words are to do with our genitals most of them and it's also been such a hush hush from growing up so now when we grow up and we say it we feel like oh you know we're saying something that we've never been said we've never said before we haven't been comfortable saying before and now it's become a cuss word where it's actually just a body part and it's not supposed to be used as a cuss word um yeah. so apart from one this- more thing uh, yeah. yeah and one more thing i would like to add is that parents often try like comment on a child's body parts this is a huge issue which people don't talk and this is where the body image issue comes in most of us I'm like all of us have been through this and like uh, uh, like you put this cream you'll become fair or you need to reduce weight because this is not the ideal weight or if someone is fat you fat shame them if someone is has a short height you shame them for that like people, like parents themselves talk in such a way that the kids feel that this is something wrong in me if the if the kid if it is a short height he feels there's something wrong in me and even if the parents say these things like if your complexion is dark if you are short height you are not uh, like thin enough or you're not good looking even so these are the thing that stays with us for a lifetime because it's coming from our parents and the society and the neighbors and others are there to add on that and this is how the body image issue comes into picture yeah because what parents say the child starts believing what the parents say because for a child what the parents says is very important like yeah. they are the role models like yeah. parents are the role models for a child so whatever they say they believe even if you tell a child you are an idiot he'll start believing that he is an idiot yeah that makes a lot of sense and i understand how like children see their parents as a role model so it's very parents need to be very careful about from beginning itself what kind of thoughts they're putting in their child and also yeah like, and yeah. what comments are you are putting on the child yeah that's true yeah that affects a lot of confidence issues it causes a lot of confidence and secure issues also hmm so the i wanted to ask you now more in the sexuality spectrum because now we're in a world where there's so much and people are actually confused and some people are also worried to not offend anyone when it comes to sexuality so just to raise more awareness on this can you explain the spectrum of sexuality and the types yeah sure like sexuality if you see what is sexuality sexually many people think sexuality is just uh, like how many times do you have sex or how often you have sex so sexuality is not that sexuality is actually about your sexual feelings your sexual attraction mm. and how you behave with people in that context mm. so there are homosexuals and there are heterosexuals heterosexuals are the people which you normally see as a girl by girl boy relationship or a man or a woman uh, relationship that comes under heterosexual relationships mm-hmm. and the homo are the, the when you see, uh, say lesbians where lesbians are when a woman is sexually or romantically attracted to the, another woman that's lesbian yeah a gay is when a man is sexually or romantically attracted to another man that's the gay relationship and both falls under the homo because they are the same gender hmm. so that's homo or like a, what or is it like yeah homosexual 
yeah homosexual so the whole spectrum of lgbtqia is lg is that now b is bisexual bisexual means any person who can get attracted to more than one gender it could be either male male and female and it could be from a male or a woman together with yeah. any other people of any other spectrum hmm. so they fall under that bi category hmm. okay now the transgender people now transgender people are people who don't like uh, uh, what they are assigned at birth suppose they are uh, born as a man like hmm. with a male gen genitalia but they don't feel as a man hmm. they feel more uh, inclined towards a woman yeah and there is they think there is a mismatch of what they have been born as and what they feel yeah yeah so these are the transgender people and when you when is when someone get transitioned from a man to woman that's trans woman because the transitioning happens from a man to a woman hmm. that's trans woman and when a man uh, when a woman is trans transition from a woman to a man that's a trans man there are many people who just because they are like the genitalia are male but they feel like a woman they want uh, like surgeries they go through many uh, difficult surgeries and hormonal uh, uh, injections and everything it's a long procedure where mm -hmm. they get converted into whoever they want to be yeah so suppose he, uh, suppose genitalia wise if he is born as a man okay yeah. and he feels like a woman yeah and now he gets transitioned to a woman yeah transition like through genitalia like the genitalia the penis is converted into a vulva now yeah. that's trans woman hmm. because the man got transferred into a woman that's a trans woman yeah similar with the man yeah and i know a lot of them are happier once they've transferred to their actual identity where they feel themselves then and they feel more empowered once they've transferred because it's yeah. when you're born as the other gender and you're not feeling that then it just it causes a lot of um, dissonance in terms of like not understanding the world around you not understanding yourself your body and it causes a lot of issues um i know um an influencer her name is trinetra actually she's a trans woman and she speaks openly about her journey and she yes, has a doctor yeah yeah and she has normalized it so much because i know i still know a lot of parents are very opposed to lgbtqi like they're just like you know sometimes i've even asked my parents like how would you all react if i was a lesbian like how would you take it mm -hmm. um and just just to know i just want to know how parents are feeling about these things but i know that there is a huge stigma and they just aren't comfortable talking about it they're awkward about it and i don't think they would take it well also um so that's something i just wish would change because as long as your child is happy exactly it's fine as long as they are accepting themselves the way they are and they're feeling confident and empowered in their body exactly. it's fine it doesn't matter who they are attracted to and as long as they're staying true to themselves and i think it has to be very accepted uh, in the family itself a family support is very much important when yeah. when a person comes out this way and most of the time you see the post parents the like parents are not there to support yeah most of the time whenever they come out because there's so much of dilemma in there in in them inside internally there's so much going you're going uh, like inside the havoc is actually inside them just to understand who they are it takes a lot of time for them to understand who they are yeah 
it's a, it's a lot of work to understand like what is going inside you and do i need to come out even yeah or do mm. i need to hide it because the society is such exactly yeah there's this internal chaos and there's external chaos because of society and family and as much as possible it's if the external chaos can be reduced at least people will feel more comfortable just being yeah, out coming of out at least yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely and like the queer community community like the queer community yeah. and qe also stands for queer queer and uh, questioning like there are many people who are still figuring out where do they fall into this whole spectrum mm. so they fall into this category of of a question okay. like where do they fall they're still figuring oh. out whether they are attracted to one they are attracted to or they are not also attracted to anyone like physically like sexually and romantically that would There's be essential that would be asexual then if they're not attracted to any so they are still figuring out they are not labeling themselves as i am this i am that but still they are into questioning them mm. and to understand them well so they fall into that category of yeah. like queer community is everyone is included in that mm. and that is why it's questioning q also stands for questioning and q is also also for queer because queer includes everyone and queer is still there because there are many people who are questioning like they are they don't know whether do i attract get attracted to sometimes i feel i'm attracted to a girl sometimes i feel i'm attracted to a man and sometimes i don't feel attracted to anyone so yeah. they are just figuring out where do they land hmm so they fall into that category because sexuality is very fluid yeah sometimes yeah. you might be feeling this sometimes you might be feeling that but when until and unless they get a proper idea of where do they fall how can they come out yeah yeah they are so they need to figure it out themselves so until and unless constant they keep like they fall into this category of question mm. yeah and you know even with asexuality asexuality is when you're not attracted not sexually attracted to anyone right yeah little or no not at all at all attracted oh. but there is a misconception in this look people assume that asexual people don't have sex it's not that they don't have sex the many times to figure out them whether they are attracted to someone or not they attempt to have sex sometimes like i have come across people who have sex have already had sex just to figure this out whether they are attracted or not because people around them say it's normal it's normal kabhi hota hai kabhi nahi hota and it's quite fine so just they, to explore themselves they try to understand that whether uh, i am not actually not attracted to someone or like i can give it a try and see does it work for me or not it's mm -hmm. that way many times people think that since the asexual people are not sexually attracted to someone or romantically attracted to someone that doesn't mean that they don't like cuddles they don't like hugs they don't like kisses if this is some affectionate things if this is something which they crave for which are non sexual like cuddle hugs kisses caressing they, they would just not be interested in sex but every other part yes hmm So when it comes to finding a life partner for an asexual how does that work like do they have to find another asexual it depends on them like wh what are they wanting from their life and it's a personal choice how they want to like uh, there are several things need to be taken into consideration and it depends individually on person to person what do they expect out of their life hmm yeah i've always thought about that I've always been very curious about 
how does an asexual find a life partner and if they do find someone who is hey, many times people also have this thing uh, that uh, bisexual people needs to sleep with both the sex it's not that that many times what happens is a person can know a person knows that i am attracted to a man or a woman but they make a choice that i want to stay in a marriage and still they know that they are attracted to the other person but they it's their choice that they don't want to indulge in sex with them so it's that way also hmm it's not that simpler as it seems that categorizing these people like in like lgbtqai yeah it's way more complex yeah and do you think sexuality is a choice like you think you can choose your sexuality no no it's not a choice like i'm not saying it's a choice it's just something they are they want or they like it that way yeah choice it's innate means, it's innate yeah, yeah it's innate they are born with that Mm. and and what i am trying to say is suppose there is a bisexual person mm. who is attracted to a man or an, and woman both mm. okay but by the time she realized that she is a bisexual she is into a marriage yeah okay now she knows that she is a bisexual and she gets attracted to a person uh, like a lady yeah. also but she choose to be in the marriage and not she knows this part of her life that she is attracted to someone hmm that's enough for being a bisexual okay. you don't have to indulge in sex to become a, or label yourself that i am a bisexual hmm. understood this is something that choice whether you want to indulge in the in sex that's a choice what i'm trying to say is indulging yeah. in sex or not that's a choice but obviously you are attracted to both the genders that's a fact mm understood that's the fact got it got it okay thanks for explaining that that makes it clear yeah um and then moving on to my next question which is about orgasms and specifically about female orgasms because we all know it's harder than a male orgasm so can you tell us more about the myths of a female orgasm myth her there is a whole lot of myths the first thing is that uh, the vaginal penetrative sex is the best way for a woman to have an orgasm so mm. to say this is the worst myth i have ever heard <laughs> because vaginal sex is gen is generally for like uh, men enjoying it and there is a part like in an in a female anatomy there is a part if you see the if you see the lips of a like a woman this is where the urethra is where where a woman pees from that on top of that there is a clitoral hood and above that clitoral hood there is uh, something like a small ball okay that's called clitoris hmm okay and that is the pleasure point of a woman on until and unless that gets stimulated a woman is not aroused so whenever someone performs sex and has this uh, has a clear idea about what an anatomy is a female anatomy and how it works it is like most 90% of the women have orgasms through penetration and clitoral stimulation only penetration doesn't work for many most of the time only 10% like the as per research says only 10% of the women orgasm through penetrative sex only 10% yes only 10% Oh my god okay the whole population that's crazy yeah that's crazy and most of the people don't know it 
and that's why this uh, there is the whole porn industry is creating a mess out of people's uh, body image that you need to have a longer and harder penis isn't it a dilemma oh so in order to make the female orgasm but it's just that maybe penetrative sex is not the best way yeah they are in the wrong place but it's the porn industry it's a million dollar industry that makes uh-huh. that that is making you feel that this is something wrong with you and you need to buy the products and you need to buy the sex toys and this is because of the lack of information there's no sex education but there is a, a open consumption of porn yeah hmm so can you get an orgasm by just masturbating alone yeah through clitoral stimulation most of the women get orgasm on their many times there there are women who come to me and they say that uh, i am not able to orgasm through like uh, when my like when my husband penetrates i am not uh, like when i am in a partnership with my partner i don't uh, like orgasm but i orgasm otherwise when i am masturbating oh. so it's is just that you need to guide that guide that person how you want it because until like we, we like most of the time what happens a woman assumes that it's a man's job to know and he knows it all and he yeah. needs to figure it out how to give it yeah but it's not their job actually it's your job until and unless since you don't know which part of your body yeah. like stimulates you or turns you and how you expect the other person to know your body part right. and it works very different for like there are erogenous zones other than the genitals and just because boys have been masturbating like from the age of 10 10 while they are 10 years or 11 so, like women are not very much encouraged to masturbate hmm. because this is something said that something like sex is not okay sex is so bad and these are the phrases which we have often heard from our friends relatives and our uh, like hmm. great grand people yeah hmm. this is where like a female has this uh conditioning of sex is not good don't sit beside a boy these are the things that still is there like we think that it's not there but still it is there yeah so even the term vaginismus which is getting a lot of momentum right now vaginismus sorry so i actually have been diagnosed with it recently and that's why i want to talk more about this because we were talking about sex and i want to talk about the term what it means the causes of it mm mm-hmm. so look vaginismus is what happens is it's the intense uh, contracting of the uh, vaginal muscles hmm. so what happens it's like have you seen the venus fly, uh, fly trap yeah uh, here so the body just shuts down it's not that you don't want to have sex even if you want to have sex the body doesn't support you hmm it just shuts down hmm. and it would feel like there is no hole or there is no gap there it feels like a wall okay okay so generally what happens is this is because of any any sort of uh, like fear of penetration fear of uh, sex because like in movies we have been say, seen like there are several uh, like people have these notions that like sex is not okay and we should refrain from sex and these are also the belief system which also follows and it's conditioning which is generational Hmm. which is generation there could be rape it could be because of uh, sexual abuse it could be also because someone getting 
groped by someone in a wrong way or touched to in a wrong way these are very common with people and often uh, like uh, most of the couple when come when they come it's like uh, they are in a sexless marriage and they don't even know the partner doesn't even know that this is something called it's a serious condition which needs to be addressed like uh, their wife or their partner is having a vaginismus issue yeah and how can it be addressed can you address I mean, you can reach out to people like i can give you the address of the doctors if you want and mm -hmm. there are relaxation exercises where they relax you and there are counseling therapies because that works on your belief system what you about what you think about uh, there are several things which uh, there are certain mindset which we have about sex about bodies about not having sex about uh me being not okay not looking good down there yeah. there are several things i think there's a lot of um, fear around the pain especially during the first time like a lot of girls are just afraid of the fact that it could really hurt and bleed and yes but they don't even they don't know what happens is actually the first time sex is also is not supposed to be painful why it's painful it's because there is no not much lubrication there Okay. Okay. So, because a woman needs a foreplay, foreplay means, uh, if you say sex works different for a man and it works very different for a woman. Like, uh, if you say sex is like a fire for a man, like they see something and they get stimulated and it's like hmm. they are having erections. But it doesn't work similar like, uh, like with us. Like we women don't. We are more like a water. It takes time for us to heat up. Hmm. So yeah. to just to heat up, it takes the time of foreplay. Like you need to caress, you need to cuddle, you need to create that space where someone is feeling valued, wanted, craved for. And then when you are in that act of penetration, obviously till that time, there is enough lubrication that has happened during the foreplay. And then when you penetrate, even nowadays there are lubes which can be used yeah which is very slippery and slidey and glidey and that uh, that gives a very wonderful experience to most of the couples who struggle with this yeah i was just going to ask about lubes okay so when what do you what should someone note before having sex for the first time and or even like getting an orgasm because i know you said that it's on the woman to make sure they got an orgasm because the male can't figure out where no no, but you have to, even if the male can't figure out, you need to guide him at least. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. Even if the, like, a man can know, a man cannot know. But yeah. how do you know? Whether he knows or not? Women so need to wear also first. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because even men have body insecurities. A lot of men have body insecurities. And because they have been growing up seeing porn and they also have this idea, the bigger the better. And there was one yeah. statement from Karina Kapoor I heard on uh, like Coffee with Karan or some other show. I really don't remember. Like uh, size does matter. And these are the statements. If, it, if it's coming from someone, a renowned person like Karina Kapoor, obviously it is uh -huh. going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. People are going to assume that, yeah, this is what she says. Uh, size does matter. But how you how you do it, it's that actually matters not the size that matters but most of the men are like 
running around size, how to increase the length, girth, and everything. Hmm. So first, for the first time, I would suggest first you need to be mentally prepared. Are you ready for it or not? Because most of the time, people want to do it not because they want to do it. It is because the others around them are doing it, and they want to fit yeah. into that group of. Yes, I am also not a virgin. Yeah, hundred percent. So that like coming out from that framework is very important. That don't do it because others are doing it. Be very precise and clear with I want to do it because obviously I want it. That yeah. agenda should be clear. That why do I want it? Hmm. And I want to let's. I have traveled down one bullet. And yes. And one more thing, which I feel is uh, sex is different for different people. So understanding that is very important. Like we have been conditioned to understand that penis and vagina sex is the only way of sex. The intercourse is the only way of doing sex. But no, it's not like that. Like even if someone is having like, uh, it's like someone cuddling and sleeping naked. For them, that's also sex. Really? Okay. Do you yeah. think that's sex also? Yeah, people say that as sex also. It it actually varies from person to person. What do you uh what does sex for you mean? It's just having close physical contact, rubbing your skin, and that pleasure, like uh, having that pleasure, and for them that is also sex because that is also intimate. I know a lot of people who have had a vaginus, vaginismus who've dealt with a lot of issues in their marriage because the husband needs penetrative sex and the woman isn't able to provide. And that causes exactly. a lot of issues. Yeah, because the husband also doesn't know that what is vaginismus, what is the wife going through? And because no, because what happens is the, the woman says, I'm having pain, the man says, I want it. For how long the man is going to sustain do you get it? Do you are getting it? Um, so they need to together go and reach out to a like sexologist or someone where the doctor will examine why there is a pain. A pain can many times happens because of the STIs also. Pain could be because of vaginismus also. It could be because of UTI also. Okay. But, but that needs to be addressed. And who's going to? Because these topics are very hush hush and people feel very shy and shameful to reach out to doctors. Yeah. Because oh, there are, I, uh, I feel really sad to say this, but that actually doctors are also very, like obviously they are doing their job, but, but uh, I have uh, come across myself, doctors also, who have been humiliating for uh, like, I had a miscarriage. I was in a severe pain. And the doctor said, then the one of the words that the nurse and the doctor said was, Ki, I was having, I said, I'm not able to bear it. Can you give me a painkiller? I said this. So they were like, Karne mein bada maza aata hai. And now you can't bear the pain. So it was like that. So in that moment of pain, how do you feel a patient is going to feel? Next time, do you think the pain, the person is going to open up even the person have, is having a pain? So whole uh, this medical industry, they they they, they also they don't know how to talk to the patients mm. because obviously you are getting humiliated in each 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 part of your life where everybody is saying something or the other. 
related to your genitals, related to your having sex. So yeah. these are the things this conditioning actually pulls you back from reaching out for help also. Right. So because this was my personal experience, I, I really felt like, where do I go? And like, body my face like this. The way she said, and in that moment of pain also, this was not, she was not like being a nurse, being into that industry of medical industry. You know what it means to bear that pain. Yeah, exactly. Still, this is how you are putting so, it front in front of a patient. Yeah, like not empathetic. But, and it is very common. When I reached out to other people, we were talking about these uh, things in seminars and other like uh, close groups. There were many women who have been humiliated like this. Hmm. Like giving normal births also. Yeah. During normal births, they are, definitely they are going to have pain. Yeah, exactly. So they were humiliated for that also. Why are you screaming so much? Why didn't you scream when you were having sex? Did you scream? So this are, these are the way, if the professionals are talking, how do you think uh, a normal person uh, is going to reach out to someone? Yeah. Yeah, it's really shitty. It has to change. Yeah. And that is why this all adds up to the body image concerns. Which your parents comment, and later on, this commenting keeps on adding, adding, adding. Yeah. And this is where we land up. Lack of self-confidence and lack of self-esteem. Yeah. What would you tell someone who is feeling very insecure about their body image and lack of, lacks confidence? I what would say first, be out of such people. Like be from the spect out of the spectrum of people. Like out of this environment. Yeah, yeah, it's very important to just stay away from these people. Like not having negativity around is, it's not positivity definitely, but still you are not having such mindset yeah. where you are feeling low Yeah, about yourself. Like, like having the right kind of people where they are ready to support you for and looking you, looking towards you, for, not for how you look, how you dress, about the other qualities of how kind you are, how yeah. uh, caring you are, like how bold you are. Yeah. Yeah. We need to see those parts. These are the things, suppose, even if, say, someone says you are so good looking. So now I am good, maybe uh, down the line, after 20 years, I might not look that good then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it that? But having a caring nature, having building a character is more important than having a good appearance, I think. 100%, 100%, yeah. I think one main thing that has helped me with confidence is don't let other people's compliments build you and their criticism break you. Because right. if, you're really, if you're needing their validation, that external validation, um, it's just going to always be unreliable. Like it's always going to be a very shaky form. Yeah, anyone can come and, and yes, the con uh, your your confidence can, any anyone can come and crash your confidence. Level. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it has to be very self-reliant. Yeah. Like, uh, during my grown, growing up days, not growing up days, like I was 25 or 26 hmm. and there was, there was this lady. Yeah. And uh, she was very beautiful. She was so fair and she had brown eyes. She was really very beautiful. And I said, you uh, look so beautiful. Like, uh, like I was complimenting her. And, uh, and that day she said one thing and that actually blew my mind. And she said, because of this face, I don't like myself. 
and i said why why do you want like because this gets so much of attention that this takes all the attention and other things which i have which are my actual true quality people, people are never able to see that hmm yeah and it actually like uh, it actually blew my mind and it it was a total shift of my perspective of how like i was seeing them and how they were seeing themselves and it was something which uh, was uh, very thoughtful for me yeah. like how people could think about themselves also yeah i feel like everyone and there was uh, yeah. and there was one uh, uh, there was one uh, like muslim woman and i used to say acha nahi lagta na you might not feel good about like wearing gurkha or something na so she said no i feel really safe when i am in gurkha so when you meet different people you understand how people see themselves because we have a different assumption about people yeah yeah and when you talk to them you mingle with them and then you realize what is they that they are going through and what is important to them and we are so easy to judge on people mm. yeah well that's all my questions for today jaya this was an amazing conversation brought about so much awareness on so many important topics so thank you so much again for being here and for sharing your wisdom with us thank you thank you prakna for having me here it was wonderful to talk to you yeah same here like you opening up about pageantismus <laughs> here on the podcast is it actually needs courage Yeah, I'm at this point where I just don't care, and I I preach authenticity so much. So I'm very like I want to be my most authentic version. Exactly. Until and unless you be it, how can it come? Yeah, true people. Like, yeah. yeah, and it's so normal. Uh, I've realized there's so many women out there face vaginas, uh, vaginismus, and barely spoken about. You know, like there's barely much awareness on it, and it's just gaining momentum. And also, proactive for her is a company that's doing great work on increasing. Great work for her. Yeah. on yeah. vaginismus they have like an 8 week healing program um, yeah it takes to like 3 to 6 months and you they will be like there will be like counseling therapies and there will be dilators yeah dilators dilators yeah yeah so that's that's why i brought it up is because there's so many people who might be listening to this episode and they might be dealing with it too and they don't really know yet uh, because as you said sex is supposed to be painless exactly um, yeah and i know one of the symptoms of vag- vaginismus is that it's painful sex Yes, and there are many people who have uh, pain. It's not only because of vagina; there are other reasons also. But obviously, just go ahead and figure it out why you are having it. Because people take it as it is okay. Like pain is like painful sex is acceptable to many. Yeah, and this is people assume that this is something how it should be. Like it is supposed to be painful. Actually, it is not supposed to be any form of sex. Is not supposed to be like not any form of sex. Like like penetrative sex. the vaginal and in and uh, like penis vagina sex is not supposed to be painful if there is if it is painful there are reasons why it's painful got it got it so thank you so much jaya for being thank here thank you thank you prashna thank you so much have a lovely day ahead bye bye